Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Our next story comes from a self-described blurred black nerd, our dear friend Stefan Brackett, a lyricist, poet, activist, member of the Flowbots, co-founder of Youth on Record, and Colorado's music ambassador. Stefan is an incredible performer, and we were always thrilled to have him share his stories with us. In this one, he talks about his relationship to his physicality and athleticism and the boxes that we might be put into by others. Stefan told this story live to a virtual audience on March 17th, 2021. The theme of the evening was rebound. All right. So going into this with rebound, it made me think very obviously of sports. and. I have been somebody who my, well, I guess maybe by the time I was like 18 years old, I had realized something interesting about society and the way it treated me. Um, it was socially acceptable for me to be complimented on my physical attributes, um, like my athleticism, how high I could jump, how fast I was. That was okay to talk about. But something I'd never found, what I also found conversely was not socially acceptable, was to talk about my intelligence. So I had all of these adults in my life telling me like, oh, how amazing I was at basketball and running and jumping and all these things on the field, but never anything about my intelligence. And for me, what was interesting about that time is that I felt like society in the 90s and the, the late 80s and early 90s had not yet figured out what a black nerd was um much like uh we had we had like cultural well there's another cultural icon vanilla ice at the time and like so you had vanilla ice who was like repping all the white rappers at the time and he did such a terrible job of it that you didn't get any white rappers until eminem showed up in the same way i felt like we had steve urkel and none of us black nerds were rallying behind that nah, he's not us that's that's not our icon that's not our icon so People, people didn't have an understanding of what I was. So what ended up happening is I kept on being promoted and pushed towards different physical pursuits. And actually, I was actually really good at those things. But the thing that stopped me from attaching that to my identity was just some divine sense of humor that always linked physical prowess with incredible opportunities for humiliation. Let me explain. In fifth grade, we were doing the high jump. I was at this private school and lo and behold, I could jump higher than any of the other kids in the school. Like I was in fifth grade at the time, but even the high schoolers, I was jumping higher than them. So it just got to the point where they were just like raising the high jump bar higher and higher. And it was just me jumping. Right. And I was starting to feel really good. I was feeling really special. Like all the girls that I would never talk to were really staring at me and all these things. I'm like, whoa, maybe I can leverage this. Wow. And like my head started getting a little bit bigger. And so like they, they brought it up to like maybe I think like five foot four inches. And I was like, I ran, I was getting ready, got all psyched up. I'm like, I am going to be a God after I jump over this bar. I'm going to talk to Megan after I jump over this bar. Like this whole, my whole world is going to change. Like I'm going to break out of this caste system that I'm in. All right. So as I run up and jump, I clear the bar beautifully. I clear it with maybe three inches more to go, right? I, I just cleared it huge. And at that point in time, we're, we're jumping on a blacktop. So I'm just like jumping over it like I'm uh, 
like a hurdler. But as I'm jumping over it, I didn't realize that like one of my really nerdy friends, Harley, who couldn't jump over it when it was three feet, had gotten so frustrated that he decided to take on another activity. So he started messing with one of the mobile tetherball poles, right? We're off in the distance, like taking that big, that big pole and like that uh, tire that's filled with cement that's attached to it and like using all of his strength to like bend it back and, and release it. So he was doing that. What I did not realize is that when I jumped, Harley had brought his game directly behind the high jump pole. So when I made my beautiful leap, Harley let go of the pole and I, Tom and Jerry fashion, hit it testicles first with of my weight, the thing stepped back up and I slid down the pole. All of my coolness just atomized into the air, evaporated immediately. I had to go put ice on my testicles and like fear that like my balls are bleeding out of the hole in my penis. That's what how my day ended. Fifth grade, right? Eventually, like things keep on going. I end up going to um, high school and um, I end up, I was like maybe six foot three in my freshman year. So I was just recruited by every team, though I had no interest in any sport whatsoever. But I was on the track and field team and I was actually doing pretty decently. And I kind of enjoyed it because I wasn't competing against anybody else. Like, I mean, I, I, it was really like me competing against myself. Like, yeah, you get prizes and all those things, but I was, it was more about me. It wasn't like go out and, on the field and kill them bracket which my football coaches used to tell to me all the time. And I'm like, I just didn't understand why I was supposed to manufacture animosity from somebody who just happened to be wearing different colors than me. I, I was very frustrated um, on the football and basketball field. You, you can imagine like having like a big nerdy pacifist um, on your squad. Right. <clears throat> but anyway, track and field. I loved the jumping events, high jump, triple jump, long jump. Um, the first time that I did triple jump, I walked over to somebody from one of the other swing and I'm like, Hey man, um, how do you do this? Because my team didn't have any facilities. So I'm just like, ah, so my first triple jump, and I'm not sure if you all are familiar with the triple jump, but it's that really strange one. Like the long jump makes sense. You run and you jump into a sandpit. The triple jump is you run, you jump from some arbitrary line. You skip, like you jump, land on the same foot, then switch feet, jump again, and then into the sand pit. So the trick is you actually have to know how much distance you're going to cover on the track for your hop, skip, and jump so you can make it in the sand pit. My first jump, I landed not in the sand pit, but on the edge of the, uh, the track. I had, it, was, it was a total failure. Um, my second jump, I got into the sand. My third jump made me the leader in the state or triple jump for the next two months, which was actually disastrous. Cause I'm like, cause like, Oh, bracket. How'd you do that? I'm like, I really don't know. I don't know. My fourth jump, which was the next meet, my fourth jump, I ended up getting to like the hop skip. I had this confidence. Cause like now I saw my name in the newspaper. It was misspelled, but it was, it was there anyway. Right. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to like, think big. like my name was announced. Um, at, at school, like at the top of the announcements and all these things, once again, like the women who I'd never had any kind of courage speaking to were kind of like looking at me in a different way. And I'm like, oh man, maybe I'll leverage this. All right. So my first jump after being the state leader, 
there was a point in time where I got to the uh, skip where I was like land on the foot, like, like jump and land and jump off that leg, that foot again. And somehow something that's only happened to me once in my life, the ball of my foot and my ankle somehow managed to touch the ground at the same time. Right. And then what I did is like all of my momentum just twisted me up into a tsunami, a cyclone of agony. And I just fell into the sand pit. And my coach had to actually come and carry me out. I was in so much pain. Right before, like, right when my head started getting big. That same year, several meets later, I was leading the field in, um, in, my, uh, in, in the city in um, high jump. And so the thing about high jump is that all the other events happen before high jump. So when, you're, when high jump is finishing up, everybody else is just waiting for the event to end. So you have everybody looking at you. So at the all city jump, at the all city high jumps, which I'm expected to win, feeling kind of hype, whole crowd is looking at me, the whole stadium is looking at me. It's like, it's mine to lose. I remember I, I get ready. I get so hyped that when I jump, I totally clear the bar. It's just a beautiful thing. Like this is me. And like when you're going over the bar, you know, it's kind of like this parallel action. And then you land in that beautiful gigantic like foam pit and it's just fun right it's like it's, it's victory and like as long as your feet don't hit the bar you know you've won so i'm sliding over my feet clear and then i keep going and i keep going and i see the pit and the pit just passes below me and i land directly on the track and i can't even feel the pain because what i can hear is 800 people saying oh I get up. I still, I mean, I still won, but I was bleeding out of my shoulder blade. Like that's what it was for me. All right, so I, I get up. My like, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. First place, but I didn't stand up on the podium because I had to go get like taped up. And the last thing, the last this last piece of humiliation. When I was at George Washington High School, I was recruited onto the uh, basketball because I never tried out because I never wanted to. But the coach saw me in the hallway and says, "You're on the team." Awesome. Um, I made the mistake of demonstrating how high I could jump at one point in time. And they took me from the freshman practice to the varsity practice, which was like a nightmare situation for me. Because at that point in time, that's when the state champion George Washington High School Patriots were playing. That's when Chauncey Billups was on the team. And they brought me in to all these guys who were like gods to me. And they're like, hey, we want you to play scrimmage. I was like, oh, please don't let me play a scrimmage. I really don't want this. Don't, don't do this to me. I hate basketball. Y'all don't know this, but I hate this game. I don't want to play it. I'm not competitive. I really don't even want to be here. Please give this to somebody who cares, who gives a damn about this sport. It's not me. I just want to read X-Men and chill with my friends and talk about magic cards. Okay. So I'm playing the, I'm playing the scrimmage. I'm playing the scrimmage. Just trying to stay out of the way, get the ball to other people. Just let this nightmare end. And then of all things, somehow there's a fast break. And the ball's in my hand. And it's just me and the, the other hoop. So I start dribbling. I'm like, okay, well, this is the only thing that I can do. And I start like picking up some speed. Then out of nowhere, Chauncey Billups just materializes in front of me. And he's he's right, right in front of the like the the um the, the free throw line. And like I could feel his defense radiating off, radiating off of him like angry flames. So I know that if I put the ball down, I don't know, within like four feet of Chauncey, he's gonna steal it from me. And some bit of self-preservation, some bit of ego is like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. And so with all of this teenage blurred, which is black nerd angst, 
like manifested inside of me. I used it like a superpower. I used, I, I felt like it was like that show that I watched so much when I was a kid, like the bionic woman and like all the strength just flood, fled to my legs. I felt this like, and I left with all the strength I had. I took one step behind the free throw and just jumped with everything that I had. And as I jumped, I saw Chauncey passing below me. Like you see fields when you're in an airplane, like he was not with me. And like all of a sudden, like my head started getting bigger again. And I heard the violins and the trumpets and like, oh man, this is the apotheosis of a new basketball God. And his name is Stefan Brackett. And I was, I was flying, I was flying and I was getting closer and closer to the hoop. And then something went, went, went awry. Uh, the hoop kept getting closer and closer to my face. And I, I realized that with all of that energy that was in me with all of that like track and field star that was in me, I had jumped higher than I ever had in my life. And I found myself having to make a decision because my face was about to hit the rim. So what I did is like, I threw the ball as, down as fast as I could, made a sign of an X over my face, that hit the rim. My, the top of my feet hit the, slammed up against the backboard, re rebounding me against the whole thing, sending my head falling backwards, landing on my head, as a kid, I always looked at Tom and Jerry and I'm like, hey, mom, dad, like, do people actually see birds when they get hit? Now, I didn't see birds. I didn't see birds, but I heard them. I heard the twittering. I actually heard like this. And, but then as I came to and I realized it wasn't birds, it was the entire George Washington cheerleading squad. They were right there on the foul line laughing at me. And right as I realized they were laughing at me, I realized everybody was laughing at me. And then the basketball that I'd thrown against the hoop bounced off my head. It was so ridiculous and preposterous that the coach is like, oh yeah, you're done. So for one moment, they thought that I was going to be the new chosen one. Then immediately I looked so stupid that they're like, no, you're done for the day. And so just to wrap this all up, if I had made that dunk, there is nothing that I could have done to change their minds. They would have tried to get that basketball God out of me that did not exist. That was only there because I was so terrified. I didn't want to look stupid, which I did very well. But if I had, they would have put me on the varsity team, put me in training, taken my life away. And I'm very sure that I wouldn't be on the path that I am now. I don't think I would have become an educator or an artist. I would have been a very miserable person going to school on a scholarship that I didn't deserve nor want playing a game that I hated. So my rebound was that moment of humiliation helped clarify what I didn't want to do and how much I wanted to go in the other direction. Thank you. The Narrators is produced by me, Aaron Rollman, and Ron Doyle, with help from Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, Scott Carney, and Sydney Crane. Karen edited this episode. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Buntport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's from the Hip Photo and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whale Hawk, and we would also like to thank Jobless, who provided the outro music that you are listening to right now. 
You can find a link to their music in the show notes for this episode. Our live shows take place on the third Wednesday of every month. You can find more information about those shows on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or at our website, thenarrators.org. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, well, today's the day. You can listen to our vast archive of stories for free on Spotify, Stitcher, and all other podcast places. We'll be back next Friday with another story. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe. Have my shit figured out, but now I'm leaving I'm walking to the door and I've seen this guy I've seen him before He was in